0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. It's our Doctor in the House segment today with my co-host, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. Hi George, you braved it through the rain <laughs> to make it here. <laughs>
1: wow, well, it's another gloomy fly- Friday. Friday,
0: right? it is a gloomy, it's been uh, gloomy and rainy Every for day. days. Yes, yeah, right. so um, I think we hope our listeners who are driving are, mm-hmm. are driving safe as well. Um, we've got a serious, very, very serious but very, very serious. important topic uh, for today's show and it's in conjunction with World Suicide Prevention Day which is commemorated on the 10th of September Just mm-hmm. uh, in two days time. And uh, there was some really welcomed news earlier this year when the um, the, the bill to decriminalise attempted suicide was finally passed in Parliament. Uh, and this has been a very, very long time coming.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but of course, the work doesn't end there. And um, what we want to find out in our show today is uh, to, to hear from some people working in this uh, area of uh, suicide prevention. Um, what can we do as individuals and as a community to support and to help those who are struggling with their mental health and and with suicidal ideation. Joining us in the studio, Alia Ali, founder of AWAS, which is Awareness Against Suicide, and Justin Victor, chairman of Befrienders KL. Um, Alia
2: and Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
3: Good evening. Thank you for having us here, having me here.
2: Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me here again. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And um, just a reminder to our listeners that this
0: is a difficult topic for some listeners. You may be be struggling with some of this. If you need to talk about um, and look for uh, support, uh, do look for uh, somebody in your community uh, you can talk to or there are also helplines you can call like Befrienders, um, who Justin is here uh, representing Brenda's line is 0376272929. Uh, there's another, you know, national uh, helpline, Talian Heel at 15555. We'll be putting phone numbers uh, in our podcast on bfm.my. But in the meantime, uh, we'd like to hear from you if you mm-hmm. have questions or anything you'd like to share um, specifically for our discussion today. Our studio line is zero three double seven double three two nine hundred. WhatsApp us at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine or tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, perhaps I can get um, both of you to weigh in first about um, your response to the decriminalisation uh, when the bill was passed in Parliament. Um, and I think I spoke to you, Alia, when uh, when it was first passed. But how are you feeling about sort of how things have uh, come? So far now
2: Yeah actually we did um, um, Discussed about it um, Mm -hmm. Early on But yes The word is Glad Um, Very relieved That finally It has Um, you know, um, came through Um, however there's still a lot more work to be done um, as we know Um, of course it is um, necessary, Um, you know, it's about time um, Malaysia decriminalise suicidal acts right, but at the same time um, we at the grassroots levels, uh, NGOs even I'm I'm sure medical staff a lot of people now are um, asking what's next like how do we address Um, people who are suicidal, now that they don't have, you know, the police are not there to... To To add
1: another uh, dimension of complication, right?
2: Exactly, you know, um, what's next and all this. So I believe, um, you know, townhouse, you know, discussion, more discussion about this, how, you know, um, uh, people who are suicidal need to be Mm -hmm. handled and all that must be, Mm -hmm. you know, must be discussed more. What's next is such an important question. Justin, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'm extremely happy. This is an effort of over 10, 15 years, Mm -hmm. pushing for this you know Um, but it's just come out after a long while and we are thankful to the government and all the other people who helped to get it through so there are a lot of other NGOs who uh, and we are among among them to push forward this uh, whole agenda Mm. and now as um, Alia has mentioned no it's not the end of it it'll take a while to trickle down because Mm -hmm. what that Criminalization has done mm-hmm. is create a mentality and that adds to the stigma of the action yes. of attempted suicide. You no, know? so with lifting that uh, criminality, then hopefully the idea that an action such as taking one's life is not criminal and that it must be dealt with with compassion mm-hmm. from a mental health perspective rather than from a legal. Uh,
0: punitive yeah
3: Yeah, Mm. punitive approach
0: yeah
1: Mm. i'm sure the bill just passed in the beginning of the year and not many people know about it right i mean just for the benefit of listeners can you kind of paint a bit of picture what was it like for somebody let's say attempted suicide prior to this uh, bill and they said you know we talked about the police added another dimension Were many people being criminalized for this
2: Oh yeah. Um, um, through I mean, through ours, we have um, a lot of people, especially family members, too, coming forward and say, you know. Um, they were struggling, you know, with mental health, um, and you know um, they were not dealt with properly and things like that. Um, of course, it adds shame, you know, on top of the struggle, the mental health struggle that that um, the individuals are dealing with. Um, now, it adds, you know, when they are being um, reprimanded, right? Um, either sometimes they go to jail or they um, get fined up to two thousand ringgit. So um, people are, you know, the family members um, are are not happy. Of course, mm-hmm. affected by it, impacted by it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being a suicide loss survivor myself, uh, I have lost a loved one to suicide, and I am really glad that this is happening because I totally believe that my loved one who died by suicide was not a criminal you know he mm-hmm. he was just struggling, he was struggling, but he did not get the proper treatment on mm-hmm. time uh get, get the proper help and support and of course um you know it's a relief to know that you know he, You know, he's not um, that others in the same situation would not
0: go through that same struggle. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it too soon to say that uh, you would have seen sort of uh, a difference in the way people are willing to uh, openly talk about their mental health struggles now, Justin?
3: I don't think it's directly related to the decriminalisation, but I think the general. Um, efforts in public through various awareness efforts etc has raised mental health into the public arena public Mm -hmm. sphere you know and yeah I think people are more and more talking about it and hopefully that has the effect of people actually then feeling uh, more at ease to reach out and to talk about it but before we go on I just want to address the thing about while it was criminalized uh, I, I must in fairness also say that we've heard that Police have been actually quite compassionate in many instances. Yes. And we don't have the actual statistics for actually how many were, pro- uh, were prosecuted, prosecuted under right. this law. But the point is very strong. The difference is that with the existence of such a law, then it creates a mentality and thought about mm-hmm. how this act is viewed and that was the danger and that was the problem. Mm-hmm. So now it is decriminalized. It's too soon because it was just g- uh, gazetted on yeah. 11th August. Yes. you know. So the actual effects of that is not very clear. Mm-hmm. But anecdotally, in our helpline, we have people who would sometimes say, I don't dare go to tell anybody mm-hmm. and even mental health professionals outside because our lines are mm-hmm. totally anonymous, right? Uh, confidential. Mm-hmm. So they would say because i might be charged i yes. might be uh, yeah yeah exactly. imprisoned that's know? right and the other thing that sometimes if again with that criminality is then what would be the reaction or the thinking of the frontliners in terms of people from bombar and mm-hmm. police you know when they go then if they are going with the mentality that is the criminal criminal act even though it may not go on to the point where they are charged, actually taken to court, etc. Mm. But at the point of stopping someone who's attempting suicide, it can sometimes be as if dealing with a criminal. Mm. So a little harsh and hard, uh, including the words said, and you know, uh, typically putting people in cuffs rather than mm-hmm. some other way of restraining them. You know? mm. So those are some of the concerns. And yes, we will need a while more to see whether uh, what the direct effects of decriminalizing are. Yeah. But from studies from all over the world, wherever it has been decriminalized, uh, something odd is seen, mm-hmm. which is sometimes a greater number of yeah. suicides are recorded or suicide attempts are recorded, mm-hmm. mainly because then it's easier for people to talk about it and to mention it and wow. therefore, it seems like the numbers have increased. But what that done does is it brings it out again into the public. There are better stats on it then. Uh, people are not afraid to say that I actually attempted suicide, rather than I had an accidental whatever. Mm. You know that happens to them. Yeah. True.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, Aliyah made a fantastic point. Right? There are three dimensions to this. One is criminality, which easily removed The other two parts were number one, the shame. Number two, the stigma, right? Mm-hmm. Can you do, do we have any kind of comparison with, let's say, other high income nations, how we're doing as far as? Stigma and also the shame, as far as um, when it comes to this, um, uh, you know, awful situation of um, suicide ideation.
3: Well, I won't be able to say for certain because I've never really looked into it or studied or seen any research on it, but just from general conversations and again anecdotal things, we hear our people more freely talking about getting help. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily maybe about suicide uh, ideation or whatever, but for various mental health problems. Mm-hmm. It'd be easy enough for someone in Australia, US, uh, UK, and maybe in some other parts of Europe, etc., cetera, to say that, oh, I'm seeing a therapist. Yes. And that means like yeah. a normal thing. Like, like I'm going, going for my doctor, dental yeah. checkup, you know, yeah. something and I, like I've that. I've
1: also seen many adverts and then also in magazines mm. and then yeah. openly discuss if Mm. you have problems and then you uh, you do call these numbers Mm. and i don't see too many of that in malaysia Mm. i would say
0: slowly increasing Mm -hmm. but you're right um definitely not as normalized right not as as
1: openly discussed because of these two things stigma and And also the shame and perhaps you know easier to remove that criminality but not really easy to remove mentality right so, that's yeah, true. that's
0: exactly it because, yes, the, the legal framework is one thing. But, you know, in terms of people's attitudes, uh, it's been generations of, of that kind of um, mentality. Uh, from, the, uh, from the perspective of how people behave and the things people say and the, the views that they have, um, what are some attitudes you've observed that are stigmatizing towards people who um, are struggling with mental health or, or have suicidal
2: Ideation. Um, Again and again, we hear, especially when um, now it's 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 a lot better. uh, Shall we compare to ten years ago when I lost um, my loved one to suicide? Um, The you know the whole media thing, you know, Facebook, everything on social media, um, uh, blogs. uh, You know, people are just willing to forward the WhatsApp messages because it's so sensationalized, right? But now. I can see a progress. Um, a, lots of ch- uh, things have changed, especially in terms of um, safe media reporting. You know how um, people are more aware, um, uh, better, slightly better than uh, previously, uh, but still uh, a lot more work, um, um, of course, uh, to be done. And um, uh, this is this is uh, of course still an uphill battle. Um, and um, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, Justin. What about yourself? What What other yeah. stigmatizing attitudes do you think? Right. You know, we, we could from our conversation today. You know, anybody listening, mm-hmm. if they can uh, just reflect uh, on, on on that as mm-hmm. well, it's it's one step somewhere, right? right.
3: Yeah, I mean, th- I think behind it is a huge, huge problem of lack of uh, information mm-hmm. or understanding about mental health, mm-hmm. even though so much is being done mm-hmm. compared to previous years, huh? and. Uh, Because of the lack of understanding, someone who goes through those kind of problems uh, can be met with various kinds of attitudes and reactions such as, I mean, the common ones are don't be a drama queen, you know, (laughs) if you have a problem, something like that. Seeking
2: for attention. Yeah, seeking for
3: attention. Dismissive. Uh, yeah, Yeah, dismissive. And then worse is then people would label them or scold them. Uh, Let's say someone goes through deep depression and then one of the symptoms or the way that it may be showing is that you have no interest in doing anything. Mm -hmm. So then for someone who doesn't understand it from outside, especially let's say parents, would say, stop being lazy. (laughs) Get up and go and do your stuff. But to get up and go is not easy. So they get labeled. Uh, Let me, I love to give this caricature and it's not. One particular instance, but very often Mm -hmm. when we do public education sessions, Mm -hmm. etc. And I did one recently, just a few weeks back. And the organiser told me when she had told her staff to go for this mental wellness talk Mm -hmm. that I was giving, talking about, you know, understanding wellness, helping yourself. The response from many of them was, Tapi saya bukan mental. Mm. That -hmm. means I am not mental. I'm not crazy, Mm -hmm. you know. Why should I go for such a talk? You mm-hmm. know? So it's that kind of attitude that... Uh, so mental health mm-hmm. is a long way from being accepted as like having TB or yeah.
2: cancer. Yeah. Or something. A- and wouldn't you say culturally, like, you know, this whole notion of boys don't cry, you know, like, mm. if we... Okay, yeah. A lot of people think that, oh, you know, it's not necessary for them to attend mental health talks or you know these kind of things. But I think at the same time, if you see the, you know, if you look at it, women will be more like, you know, attending than the men because you know, oh, you know, these these are all emotional stuff that I'm not, you know, I don't know, you know, perhaps there are two men in here, but yeah, the culture of you know don't show your emotions, you know, this has got you know toughen up and you <laughs> I think um, that's among the stigma also. Um, Actually, that's true. Masculine attitude. (laughs) That's right, yeah. (laughs) We'll ask George how he
1: does. (laughs) Yes, you know, after the short break and then we'll find out.
0: (laughs) That's right. Um, In the studio with us, Alia Ali from Awareness Against Suicide or AWAS and Justin Victor, Chairman of Befrienders KL. Together with my co-host, Dr. George Lee, we're discussing how we can all support suicide prevention in conjunction with World Suicide Prevention Day, which is coming up on the 10th of September. Stay tuned, we'll be right back on Health & Living BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Ik and my co-host Dr. Mm -hmm. George Lee. It's our Doctor in House segment. We are uh, marking World Suicide Prevention Day, which is commemorated on the 10th of September with a discussion about how you can support suicide prevention. Joining us for this show, Alia Ali, founder of Awareness Against Suicide, Awas, and Justin Victor, chairman of Befrienders KL. If you have any questions or any thoughts you'd like to share, you can call us at zero three double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also WhatsApp our mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or tweet us at BFM Radio. So ours and Befrienders are actually, you know, your organisations sort of very much working at the community level. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess advocacy as well as providing support. Um, perhaps for the benefit of our listeners, you could each explain what your organisation does and. The role that you see yourself playing in the bigger, um, the bigger picture of suicide prevention, uh, Alia, perhaps you could start first by sharing
2: what ours does. Okay, um, we um, definitely advocacy. We do um, a lot of uh, you know programs on awareness, awareness programs, um, um, uh, suicide prevention work. Um, And also postvention. I think postvention is one of the things that people don't really, really um, talk a lot about. Uh, Postvention is an intervention. Um, after a suicide happens, so it's important uh, that um, prevention activities um, is done or um, uh, is being held after a, uh, when a suicide death happens in a community, so that people who were traumatized or who have been uh, who have tra- traumatized by witnessing you know some witness some need to talk about it some felt really stressed or you know couldn't sleep at night or disturbed um, know that they. Are going through a normal response, but at the same time, um, they need help. You know, they they should seek for help if they, you know, it's it's let's say more than two weeks or so. You know, not being able to sleep or not functioning and things like that. Um, so these are the three things, and um, uh, we provide support group. Uh, definitely for people who are suicidal and as well as people um, who are uh, survivors of su- suicide loss. So, family members, um, and it doesn't have to be family members, it could be people bereaved by suicide, people impacted by suicide, some doctors um, who have lost um, their patients, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, how
0: important is it that it's a peer support angle, that it's coming
2: from uh, people who share the same experience, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess um, it all started when I was looking for support um, when I was uh, dealing with my own suicide loss. Ten years ago, um, I was see- really seeking for somebody with lived experience, you know. I know I could have gone to the doctor, you know, uh, and get treatment and whatnot. But I really wanted to l- know how to manoeuvre, um, how to manoeuvre or survive this pain, you know, this grieving of, of losing someone to suicide, right? Um, so, um so that's where I was started and um, we provide support um, for family members and, um, and loved ones. Um, they can come and speak to us. A lot of them, uh, you see, for every one suicide, um, there are um, research shows that there are about 135 people impacted by one suicide mm-hmm. death. So there are a lot of people impacted by it, actually, uh, but whether or not they are aware that they've been imp- impacted or they're d- denying it. But somehow rather that can, st- you know, the trauma can still come back and haunt you and, you know, things like that. So support group have been um, wonderful, I believe, um, to myself um, and as well as, as others, because we can always come to each other and because you know how the, uh, the waiting list is very long to see a psychiatrist or counsellor or psychologist, right? So having that peer is an instant sort of um, support that you can get. Um, and at the same time, you know you're talking to somebody who has grieved or who has gone through that same pain, you know, battling the same thing because people who are grieving, they constantly need to talk about it and talk about the pain, um, you know, um, assurance and all that and to wait for an appointment. You know, sometimes, uh, especially in the um, in the government, in the you know public uh, sector, you have to wait for three months, two months, you know, depending. So that peer support can play that buffer mm-hmm. um, sort of, you know, know, buffer to, you know, for them to to have somebody to to rely on or to talk to, to turn to during their times of distress and, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Befrienders?
3: Yeah. Um, Well, it's a totally volunteer-based organisation. People from all walks of life, ages and religions, races, etc. who are trained, though. There is substantive training. And it is really, in a way, (laughs) to say uh, thriving or going on for over 53 years because I think it has a time-tested experience of this truth that offering somebody space as they use this language now, giving space to someone, giving time, being non-judgmental, just listening to them Mm -hmm. can already do so much. Mm -hmm. And we fall in this space of... Non-professional, right? Mm-hmm. but not entirely uh, non-trained. Yeah? So in, in a way, when I talk about what BeFriendless does, I also have behind me the hope that people will realize that you don't need to be a psychiatrist or a, a master's in counseling or a clinical psychologist to be able to start helping people around you. Mm-hmm. One, of course, you can join. Befriend is most welcome. Yeah. <laughs> we need more people. But besides that, you know, there are all these training programs, uh, short ones being done by so many other mm-hmm. NGOs and social entrepreneurs to uh, educate and to upskill, mm-hmm. provide basic skills to the first level. And if that can be done, then a lot can be um, prevented from, from mm-hmm. anybody's mental state deteriorating further. further in some uh, circles of psychiatrists, etc., they also mention maybe they are seeing too many people that they don't need mm-hmm. to see. Oh, okay. You know, Just the, the idea that you don't need to go for the um, medical treatment yet if mm-hmm. you had a chance to talk. But of course, that includes also counsellors and mm-hmm. uh, clinical psychologists. But what if you can envisage a, a place, a country, a, a world where more people can at least carry on the basic conversation mm-hmm. which can help somebody alleviate that pain, that suffering immediately mm-hmm. so that even possible, um, what do you call it, uh, unplanned, undesirable things may not happen mm-hmm. and that they can find some kind of relief. Yeah. True. The other thing, sorry. Yeah, no, just in, in
1: the unfortunate event that you come across a mm. caller mm. who clearly is in distress and mm. clearly exhibits some um, signs of
3: self-harm. Yeah. How do you handle it? So our basic principle is the same, which is to befriend them to active listening. And it's a, also a tested uh, psychological counselling approach. They call it the Rogerian approach approach. And, and that's just being with them, letting them get it out of their system, talk mm-hmm. about it, let them feel supported and non, uh, not judged. But of course, when we also see that this is something that they've been struggling for a long time, mm-hmm. some of that conversation leads to suggesting also that maybe they should see a professional mm-hmm. just to rule out any other issues that may be what they call mental yeah. illness yeah. it, In the event that you detect imminent threat mm. of self-harm mm-hmm. do you intervene in any form? Uh, we are unable for a very practical reason, mainly because we do not have any kind of uh, caller identification either on the phone or even directly we do not ask name, number etc. But as part of that conversation also I said, if somebody indicates that we would ask them would you like somebody to be sent over then we contact emergency services Mm. so let's say if someone uh, you know impulsively did something to harm themselves but then maybe not so sure I mean a lot of the actions are also ambiguous when they actually took uh, did something to harm themselves Mm. So then we could actually inform and they would need to reveal then the address, the number, etc. But it's not something where we can intervene without... It's a very difficult job, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. and um, You know, for the benefit of people who may want... And uh, I think more and more people realise that um, they have a role that they can play to reach out and to engage with somebody around them who may be in distress or who just may be struggling, uh, maybe not crisis yet, but just struggling, right? Um, But I think the thing that holds us back is we don't know what to do. We're not trained the way uh, uh, the volunteers and befrienders are. We're definitely not professionals. Um, uh, But how would you advise for uh, really uh, family members, community members to... Um, respond when they are trying to reach out, so that number one they don't make things worse, but number
2: two they they actually can provide real support. Alia, what do you think? Right. Um, okay. Um, I think the readiness is number one. Um, it's definitely something that okay when when people are in crisis, right? We think we sometimes we're too panic to attend to them or you know people in distress. We just like. We feel like, you know, how do I handle them? We're not professionals and things like that. But I must say time and time again, it's not really true. Of course, we cannot do the work of a professional in terms of diagnosing them, giving mm-hmm. them medication and whatnot. But we can play that role of providing that safe space, right? Um, provide them the lesser, uh, the the ear to listen to them um, uh, as well as just be there, just Calmly be there. Mm-hmm. It's really important for them to know that there is someone out there who really who care because. Um it may sound very basic, just listening, but mm-hmm. active listening is a totally different. Um, you know, set of skill. You know, you need to be present, and you need to be aware that you don't have all your judgments on them, and you know, not to project them on- onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, um, signposts definitely. If we know we're not capable, you know, mm-hmm. there are times when the dynamic of the relationship, like mother and son, of course, the mother ha- probably have been nagging mm-hmm. the son, but you know, when you when the mother uh, could s- sort of see that you know this is more than beyond that she can mm-hmm. handle like you know um uh, you know behaviors or things that you know it's 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 uh, the, the changes in behavior like sleep deprivation and and all these things that are you know that you know it's psychologically n- you, you know your son is not behaving you know you know as as, as yeah, yeah. T- as typical as you know he should then then sign posts you know make sure you have somebody who this the son or the person trust to l- to let them know that there are other people who can help. And they must be um, signposts, they must be channeled to to people who can help and Mm -hmm. Mm. um, if not ease them, at Mm -hmm. least... um, Mm. Could be, be that, could be another relative that exists exactly. closer to, could right. be a teacher or right. somebody like Before that. Before you get to a professional, right? right. I mean, yeah. sometimes, yeah. 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 I'm so just,
1: I would like to find out, is that how many calls do, you, uh, do your volunteers take in a typical year? Do you yeah. think the number is, is increasing? I'm also quite interested to find out whether we are um, increasingly getting younger people who are more under stress and, um, you know, and facing problems of suicide ideation.
3: Right. Well, in terms of numbers, we saw a huge spike during the pandemic as one would expect, you know, a lot more people at home and troubled more than normal. Uh, so, yeah, so 2020, there was a huge spike. But before that, and now coming back to what numbers we saw and uh, always incremental over the years but smaller, it's about 30,000 calls a year. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, so about an average of about. 80 calls a day that we take mm. and out of that about 25-30% have suicidal ideation really That's yeah. very high yeah. Mm. and about 70-80% have, have serious problems of various sorts yeah mm. uh, then age? the other calls are more like say information and mm-hmm. yeah those kind of
0: things mm-hmm. what about George's question about yeah. age do you know
3: yeah age too uh, maybe more younger people mm-hmm. uh, the 15 to 29 is the kind of group that we look at. And those are making up about uh, 40, 50% of mm-hmm. the calls, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have an email befriending uh, service. Yeah? Yes. Now, that one sees maybe more younger people yes. uh, engaging
1: because them. You know? Naturally, they're more aggregated yeah. towards kind of That's like right. kind of a new media of video, contact. That kind you. of thing, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. So, yeah, that is. Uh, And what's good, of course, is that they are learning. A lot of them already check up on themselves Mm -hmm. uh, through the internet, etc. But also the other side of it is where we are seeing, maybe I I don't have the statistics, but a lot of them saying that they are not supported by the family, Mm -hmm. families. Mm -hmm. And some of them actually ask that they would like to get professional help Mm. and are denied. Okay. Uh, in fairness, there are a lot of others who also say they're supported and mm. struggling, but there are also many who are going through that. So maybe if it's if it's a message to the community, mm-hmm. yes, you know. give uh, them this opportunity. Yeah.
2: If I may add, um, um, uh, our says text line um, not for people in crisis per se, uh, but um, uh, I think uh, to answer to your uh, question. Um, uh, younger people find texting, uh, we don't answer calls, we mm-hmm. don't have, um, you know, calling, but if you text, we will respond to you. So I think the younger ones are, you know, it's more appealing for the younger ones to text. Yes. And, you know, uh, of course, they maintain their anonymity, you know, and, and they can they can contact us anytime. Um, and I we see a lot of like people at the age of... Twelve, as young as 12 uh, sometimes 11 um, all the way up to of course um, you know 20 plus but um, one way that we handle them is um, we have the services um, to take um, people um, who are you know who, who reach out to us mm-hmm. um, to seek for help even for first appointments especially mm-hmm. uh, but for children or uh, uh, um, people who are underage mm-hmm. uh, below 18 right we of course we can't we cannot simply take them mm-hmm. uh, because we need the, the consent mm-hmm. of the parents right so what we do is we sometimes ask them the permission that can we discuss with the parents so mm-hmm. we do this kind of work too um, so that they are being supported. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But younger younger people are contacting yeah. okay. us as do, well.
1: Do you agree? I, I, I genuinely believe that the younger generation uh, actually have it a lot tougher than, well, definitely from dinosaurs yeah. like me, <laughs> because compared to my son, I, I generally think that in many ways, the social media and everything, that um, in the environment that he's in, life is a lot, lot more pressurized. Is that part of reasons why we're seeing such young age that are contacting awas and also briefenders and then in such a large number? Or is that just a perception that I have?
2: Well, for me, I think you're right, uh, and I would agree to that. A lot of older people, with the older generation, would think, "Oh, we got it harder. You know, life was harder. There's no technology and such, what, what not, right?" But um, I think the in terms of pressure, in terms of um, being exposed to information and you know all the stuff and pressure, you know, social media, like you know, competing with each other. And I, I'm sure, I I'm, because
1: it's almost instant yeah. like right. expectation that you know people uh, have from you, right. and then that sort of of like pressure, I think, yeah. to live in a, this digital yeah. age as a young person, right? To, must, to dress a
2: certain way, to yeah, behave a certain way, must yeah. have
1: certain impact. Do you see some of these reflected on the calls that you get from defenders?
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's definitely there. But again, no, I think people are also saying that the the modern age and the social media have the other side, which is giving a lot of uh, information opportunities for people to learn and be able to. Handle what they're going through. He's a yeah. double edged sword. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I do feel, though, like you said, George, um, because we are able to give the younger generation more, I think we also expect more from them. <laughs> yes. yeah, on the flip side, yeah. we'll continue this conversation after another quick break. Uh, my co host, Dr. George Lee, with me in the studio, along with Alia Ali from AWAS and Justin Victor from Befrienders KL. We'll be right back uh, or to continue our discussion on suicide prevention right here on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Ik and my co-host, Dr. George Lee. Our discussion today is about supporting the work of uh, the government, healthcare authorities, of healthcare professionals, uh, of community and grassroots organisations. When it comes to suicide prevention, there's a role for each and every one of us to play as well as individuals, as community members. Um, so our um, guest... Alia Ali from Awareness Against Suicide, AWAS, and Justin Victor from BeFrienders KL have been sharing about the roles that their organisations play in terms of um, both being peer support, doing advocacy on mental health, as well as um, you know in terms of BeFrienders um, offering an anonymous um, helpline for people to reach out to uh, when they're struggling and just want somebody to talk to. Um, if you'd like to share any thoughts with us, you can call us at zero three double seven. Double three two nine hundred. WhatsApp our U mobile number at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine or tweet us at BFM radio. And you know, speaking of what say the Ministry of Health. And um, you know, at, at the at the sort of like high level of policies and national programs for services, uh, you know, things like decriminalization, of course, is is um, federal level actions. But um, you know, we come down then to to grassroots organisations where you're really um, meeting people, right? You're connecting people. Um, you know, so what? Um, why is it important uh, to give the space f- to community organisations like yourself? To And, and do you see your, yourself playing this, um, you're complementing the work and the policies of, um, of what Ministry of Health is doing, aren't you, uh, Justin?
3: Yeah, I, I would like to think that, yeah, these are various gaps that may uh, appear time to time and, yeah, ours is that kind of uh, lay help that is there. Non-professional and twenty-four-seven service. One of the few that were around for a long time, but more recent years, many others have uh, come up. No? That, including the one under the uh, Talian Hill, no? mm. under the Center uh, National Center for Excellence for Mental Health. No? Mm. Yeah, so I think that is there, and also then the other thing is uh, what Befrienders not only in KL but right across the country, where our Befrienders uh, org- uh, centers. Do sessions with the public and in various aspects, just educating them, raising awareness, and sometimes it includes basic skills. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, again, this is to help supplement, complement whatever that government already does in areas maybe where they haven't reached or haven't been able to reach. Mm. Uh, including Do with different language capabilities in different places, etc. Do
0: you have um, any events or such initiatives coming up?
3: Uh, those are right through the years with the different centres right across the country. Uh, in KL, we will soon be having, uh, uh, the details are not set yet, but we will be having an event for the World Suicide Prevention Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, yeah. Uh, the other centers have one in you know, Penang and how to find them, go on to Facebook, you know, search them in, in BeFrienders Penang, BeFrienders Ipo, BeFrienders KL. Yeah, so then that's the way you would, uh, get involved in something. And remember the yell it's how do people get involved, not just what we do. People need to be wanting to learn mm-hmm. and take the effort to uh, understand what's happening with people with mental health. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah. as you said, you mm. are still, you know, in need of volunteers. Yes, there aren't enough psychiatrists and psychologists to go around. Um, you can't be everywhere, right? Um, but Alia, speaking of gaps, mm-hmm. um, following the decriminalisation of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the gaps that you know you'd like the government to prioritize right now that would really help um, the work that you do, for instance, or the needs that um, suicide survivors and um, and other people in mental health distress uh, mm. need?
2: I think we can all agree to start um, educating the young ones. Um, I would think that having a some kind of syllabus or Program in schools, mm. um, you know, um, within the education system about mental health. Um, it's really um, critical that they are they have this awareness, at least um, basic, of how to you know like stress management or what to do. Or, because especially you know things like bullies, you know something. You know, we yeah. know there's a lot of things bullies going on in schools, and you know where do they go? Uh, unfortunately, some um, uh, some students or some younger young people come and tell us that you know at the moment they speak to us counselor. The moment they walk out of the room, the whole school will know. You know the things that they share. You know things like that. So, so I think students or young people need to be empowered um, themselves and need to learn whatever, whatever, whatever skills. Uh, being assertive. You know, knowing. Uh, you know, you know when to, uh, when to speak up and you know things like that. Um, uh, I think it's 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 high time for the the education system to to approach that. Another thing I feel. Um, The religious bodies uh, don't Get me started, but I think it's time that we do. We turn all this. Yes, especially in the in the um, Muslim community, right? Yes, suicide is haram. Yes, it's wrong. You know, and and other religions. You know, um, but but at the same time, when people are grieving, when people have lost a loved one to suicide, you know, they don't need to be reminded that it's you know your loved one is going to hell. It's painful enough. And people who have survived suicide loss, they are also in the statistics of being suicidal themselves. They are three times higher to to be suicidal Mm. because of the, you know, mental health struggle, the stigma, the shame and everything. So I think it's high time religious bodies also learn about mental health, you know, how to communicate. Even the sermon, the khutbah must be channeled towards compassion and, you know. And all these things. So um, education system, I believe, um, you know, the religious bodies. um, And also another thing I feel is important is um, for Ministry of Health to communicate with other ministries. For example, Ministry of Health keep on saying um, uh, or keep doing campaign on anti-stigma, you know, let's not, da-da-da-da. But at the same time, when um, people have to uh, fill up the forms, they will have to fill up, declare if they have mental illness, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. And other other um, ministries will be like, oh, oh uh, they don't know, you know, uh, because of uh, the forms that they use are all old. So um, and because of the forms, they are being discriminated. They don't get the job. They don't get the, the race and things like that. So. It's really, it has to be, a, you know, everyone's effort. You know, all the ministries have to come together, talk to each other and make this change. Because if not, you know, we're just going around in circle and yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Justin, earlier you said what's next, right? So for you, what's next? What's next that's uh, most important to be prioritised? I'm Uh, sure you have a long shopping list.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about generally for the whole country after the the decriminalisation. Well, continuing education and the calling uh, out—I mean, not calling out, but uh, inviting people to reach out and get help. You know, that's really something that we need to step up some more. There are a lot of people. First of all, they don't know. Uh, who and where to get help? So that really has to be stepped up by every organization. You know, all the others. So we hear of like uh, Miasa did something this this morning, and then they're going to have a roadshow on uh, how t- uh, suicide intervention skills. You know, Miasa is the Mental Illness uh, Awareness and Support Association. Uh, then you'll hear various organizations having these uh, sessions, talks, skills. There's the National Coalition of Mental Well-Being, who's now rolling out also and doing it over the country, this Mental Health First Aid mm. Sessions, you know. There's a pretty good training for mm. lay people. Mm. And these are things that the public should get involved in more. Uh, one of the themes for WSPD for uh, World Suicide Prevention Day for years has been that, Community action and uh, suicide prevention is everyone's responsibility, not only the mental mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. So then comes, so what can the lay person do? So at the most basic level, understand better mental health and see what are the basic first level conversations you can carry out. Earlier mentioned also that's scary for some people because how do you carry out that conversation with somebody who's, you know. Troubled or even saying that they might be feeling suicidal, you know, and that can be learned and that can be then in families, I urge those who are struggling with it, understand what's going on with the family members so that you be less judgmental and more supportive, you know, Mm. yeah.
0: So it sounds like. So many people are doing so many things, right, yes. George? Yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Mm. Um, any final message? Uh, perhaps, um, what is your hope for World Suicide Prevention Day? Because I think the theme this year is creating hope through action, right? So, a uh, mm. final message on what hope means to you?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, hope. Uh, definitely, you know, f- especially if you look from suicide, it, it is the point at which someone has lost all hope and feels totally helpless, So how do we create that hope? I mean, it's not supposed to be something nebulous and somewhere up there. One of the basic things is to be more accepting, to cut or cut down on anything that is stigmatizing, to allow people to come up more, to make it a normal thing to talk about mental health and suicide. And those who are feeling suicide, to feel safe to be able to say something about it, you know. Uh, maybe uh, if I could just plug an event. If people are looking for something, and some uh, there are many that coming up, but one's coming up soon enough uh, by Linette's, uh Social Enterprise and uh, Taylor's University. It's called Community Mental Wellness Fair on the seventh of October. It's a day program, and uh, let me just say something about the program itself. What's interesting? It has an element of self-awareness that people be awareness aware of how and what's going on with themselves. Mm. And then the other is, of course, what community actions can be done. And then finally, there's another workshop within that about actually how do we speak and help people who are suicidal. Mm-hmm. So that's 7th of October, and you can find it on the Instagram of uh, Lynettes and Taylors. Mm. So such things, please look out. There are yeah. constantly things coming Lots out. Lots of things going uh, on. Yeah, and always something near your home. And again, often enough, we speak only in KL, but uh, it's all over the country. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Alia? Yeah, for me, I think um, it's important having a lived experience, right? A first-hand experience of suicide loss. Mm -hmm. um, um, It's still painful. It's still uh, traumatic for me. And I urge people who have lived experience to come out not in the sense of like you need to do advocacy work no not necessarily it's not, for everyone. You know, it's not for everyone I believe I I hear that I understand that but at the same time you can make a difference in other people's lives you know like uh, your close ones your loved ones you know uh, make sure to have conversations going along with what Justin was saying have conversations with children you know what what it's like to be um, make made fun um, if uh, someone is a depression uh, has depression and, and you know things like that um, so I I believe in um, um talking about it uh, people with lived ex- experience must share um and uh, you know at their comfort level um, and uh, to make that change um, so that we can all move forward mm-hmm. and 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 you know and make a difference um, because research shows that when people with lived experience it doesn't matter if you're a first hand, you can be a you know a doctor or whoever but when you share in a compassionate way it will help others to become courageous and speak up and you know that can change the whole you know uh, mindset or mm. mentality and yep. culture yep. Um. No, among
1: Ali, well, I would like to take the last uh, words to kind of like uh, answer your questions about you know the gender uh, differences <laughs> in uh, you know uh, help and treatment seeking behaviour mm-hmm. also you know Justin's uh, questions about parents because you mentioned that I recently had this amazing opportunity to uh, have a father and son trip to Africa mm-hmm. and to my surprise I, that's why I how I realised how tough it is for uh, my son and then exactly what you said it's like you know all that expectation everything is boys don't cry and then he said to me that look at in all that kind of like awareness in the UK about you know how you should um, voice your concerns about being you know when you're under pressure and that sort of thing he mm-hmm. found it difficult even in that busy jobs and everything he felt very lonely and mm-hmm. in, in many ways and surprisingly, it's not just the boy who's struggling here. As a father, mm. I also find it difficult how to kind of like a um, help, offer help in some way because there's a generation gap in mm. some way that, you know, I don't understand your world and then, you mm. know, I don't understand how to help you. So I guess one thing I said to him was that in many ways, um one of the things that see us, all of us see us through dark days is actually our friends and family and our community and social network. So what I said to him was that perhaps one of the things that you need to do is build your social networks of real people Mm. around you, your neighbours, your communities, and those are the people who are going to see you through dark days. Mm. And then I think, in real world, that, you know, if we build a lot of these caring community. It's just like what the the theme is, mm. is the hope in the community and care for each other. Mm. When you need some help from each other, perhaps that's the days that, you know, your friends and your families is going to get you out of the dark days. Of course, I'm not expecting, I hope that he's not really into those dark days. But I think eventually if we care for each other in a community, and then those are the days that we can prevent, uh, you know, uh, asthma falling into those dark days and mm. that's the word hope I Yes, think, yes, is yes for absolutely. The, especially for newer generations yes.
0: thank you so much for sharing George yeah. and that I think that is a good note to end on because we are all part of this this caring community right? Correct. we all have our own loved ones that we can reach out to or we can be the ones that they reach out to as well yeah. Yeah. thank you so much for sharing everything today um, my co-host Dr. George Lee as well as Alia Ali from Awas and Justin Victor from Befrienders KL this